0: friends this is pastor bill clark welcome to the podcast hello friends are the first two words i begin each message that i get the privilege to share each sunday i get to tell my friends about the greatest friend jesus christ i also consider friends to be one of the greatest gifts a person can have in this earthly life most of the episodes will be messages i share each sunday but from time to time i'll invite a friend to share some of their life with us over a beverage I pray these episodes bless you and help you on this journey of life. God's blessings to you, friend. This is a message I shared at Timothy Lutheran Church on Sunday, September 17th, covering Romans chapter 14. Hello, friends. Well, as I said in our welcome, we're continuing through Romans. We started back in June. We started Romans chapter 4. Today we look at Romans chapter 14. Just a reminder, we've been putting the Bible study in your, in your bulletin, so if you want to pull that out during the sermon, take some notes, or pull it out sometime this week, uh, take a look back at these verses. But as we get to the book, end of the book of Romans, we see now how Paul is applying all that he had taught in the first 11 chapters of Romans. Two weeks ago, Paul wrote about living in harmony, not with just the people in the church, with all people. Live in harmony with one another, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12. Last week, we took on a little tougher subject about how we as Christians live in relationship to government. Romans chapter 13, Paul wrote... Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. We see in these two chapters, Paul continues on this theme of living in harmony, going from one another to the government. Paul wrote last week, We are to show respect and honor to the government, no matter how much we disagree with it, no matter how much they go against God's word. Now, does that mean that we can't speak against the government or what a politician does? Yes, we can. But we do so with honor and respect because God instituted these governments and offices for our good order. God wants us to honor and respect the government and its officials because as Christians we're called to a higher standard, if you will, and we are because because of the example of Jesus Christ in the example that he lived here on this earth. Well, today, Paul addresses the church, specifically those inside the churches of Rome. Because Paul knows that inside the church of Rome, there's both Jews and Gentiles, and they're going to be part of this church. And they have very different opinions on what should be part of the church and what should not be part of the church. Things like what you should eat, What day you should do or not do certain things. Seems like pretty trivial things for us today, but remember, each person of the new church in Rome comes from either the Jews or the Gentiles, and they have very different ideas and thoughts and practices on what should be a part of the church, what should be a part of worship, and what should be a part of being a Christian. So many years later now, it seems trivial to us, doesn't it? Don't forget some of the trivial things that churches still fight over. An oldie buddy goodie, right? The whole church watch with nervous anticipation as the visitors sat where the Martins have for 42 years. right? When we do the combined service at 9 o'clock, I kind of chuckle up here to see who gets here early so to make sure that they get their 8 o'clock pew. And not will have a 10.30 person sitting in it, right? A few years back in 2015, a guy that I follow that writes a lot about churches and uh, so forth, he asked churches to send in, and he, he compiled like an informal list of things. He wanted to know, what did churches argue about? Argue about to the point that it caused problems within the church, and he put together this list. Here's some of the things that they, they argued about. Argument over the appropriate length of the pastor's beard. I'm telling you, you don't have to worry about that one for me, all right? whether or not there's some land in the property, whether they should build a playground or they should have a cemetery. One elder accused another elder of sending an anonymous letter, and to settle the dispute, they went out into the parking lot. A church had a big dispute over what kind of restroom stall dividers they should put in, the bathrooms. A church argument and vote to decide if a clock in the sanctuary should be removed. not one in the back in case you're looking here a 45 heated 45 minute heated argument over the type of filing cabinet to be purchased black or brown two three or four drawer a fight over which picture of jesus to put in the narthex a petition to have all the church staff clean shaven a dispute over what type of shoes the worship leader can wear during service A big church once had an argument when they discovered that the church budget was off 10 cents. Someone finally gave a dime to resolve the issue. A dispute over when someone bought the wrong kind of wine for the Lord's Supper. Business meeting about whether the church should purchase a wheat eater or not took two business meetings to resolve that matter argument over what type of green beans the church should serve. Two different churches reported fights over the types of coffee that they serve. One church moved from Folgers to Starbucks. Another church just simply moved to a stronger blend. And it was noted that members in the latter church left the church over that argument. A major conflict arose when a youth borrowed a crock pot that had been sitting in the kitchen for several years. An argument over whether the church should allow people to bring deviled eggs for a church meal. An argument over who has the authority to buy postage stamps in a church. A disagreement between the terms pot luck and pot blessing. One member got chastised because she brought a bottle of vanilla syrup to put in her coffee for Bible study. Everybody thought the bottle of vanilla syrup was a bottle of liquor. An argument in the church who has access to the copy machine. Now, there is a secret code to the copy machine here at Timothy, but I'm not at liberty to give that out. Some church members left the church because one church member hid the vacuum cleaner from them. Despite dispute over whether the church should allow people to wear black t-shirts, because black is the color of the devil. A fight over whether we should sing happy birthday every week. And the last but not least, an argument over whether to have fake or real plants and which one shows dust faster. Now, these seem kind of silly, don't they? But they're real-life examples. And there's many more just like them that have happened inside the church. And in some of these, some of these trivial issues have even split churches. I've heard too many times of churches who have lived the opposite of the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission, Jesus told us, go and make disciples of all nations. Instead of going out and making disciples, the members of the church had conflict within the church to the point where the people in the church left. And they later said that they were so hurt by the people in the church that they never went back to church again. They were done. We are taught to forgive over and over again in God's Word. We all look to Jesus, our Savior, who saved us from our sins and gave us forgiveness, but we don't seem to want to show that forgiveness to others. I'm reminded that forgiveness that Jesus gave us was forgiveness that we didn't deserve. Why do we as Christians do this? Apparently, it's nothing new. Look at the words that Paul wrote for us today. Why do you pass judgment on the servant of another? He backed up those words in Romans 14.10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or you? Why do you despise your brother? Go back once again. Paul knows that Jews and Gentiles are part of the church in Rome. And they have very different opinions on what should be a part of the church practices and what should not be a part of the church practices. Today in our reading, Paul uh, addresses two issues that have arisen in the Church of Rome between the Jews and the Gentiles. The first is eating certain things that are written in the Old Testament to be unclean, and the second is keeping certain days holy. So we have dietary laws from the Old Testament and days of festivals from the Old Testament. That's what Paul addresses today. Now it was true. In the Old Testament, in Leviticus, chapters 11 and 17, I believe, that God commanded the people to only eat certain foods. That is until Jesus declared all foods clean. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile them, since it enters not his heart but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declares all foods clean. And then Jesus goes on to say, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For, for from within, out of the heart of a man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Jesus declared it wasn't what that went into your body that made you... Defiled, it's what came out of your body that made you defiled. What about the days of festivals? Jesus said, One Sabbath he was going to the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you ever read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone but the priest to eat, but also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus goes on to say, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. You see, Jesus frees us from the requirements to observe the festivals. Now, as Christians, we can continue to follow the command of the Old Testament, found in Leviticus, to follow the rules for what to eat and what not to eat, and what festivals to remember. But it's not required. What to eat and observing festivals were the two big issues the people of the Church of Rome had to deal with. There were people from both the Jews and the Gentiles, remembered who had come to follow Jesus. Notice in our reading today what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say who is right and who is wrong, does he? He calls out those who pass judgment on others. Romans 14, 4 again. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Why do you pass judgment on your brother or you? Why do you despise your brother? Seems like Paul is he's having some of the same thoughts and questions I have when I see conflict inside the church. You see, we come together as a church to learn about the forgiveness, the forgiveness we have been given through Jesus Christ. But when it comes to others inside the church that do something we don't agree with, we can give them the look, can't we? We can mutter some words about them under our breath. Someone much, much wiser once said this The church parking lot is the place where more judging happens than any place on earth. Why the church parking lot? Well, that's where you're away from everybody, right? You can talk with another church member about that other church member that did whatever, right? It's so when you're finally inside your car with just your family and you can say what's really on your mind. As I read through the readings this week, two things really stuck out to me. One, why are we as Christians passing judgment on others? And two, if you notice, the other two readings today were about forgiveness. Forgiveness. In our Old Testament reading today, Joseph forgave his brothers when he had every right to be rid of them. In our Gospel reading today, Jesus is questioned by Peter about forgiveness. Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? How does Jesus respond to Peter? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Notice the continuation last week we started Matthew 18 from our reading. Matthew 18 is a chapter that many will refer to when we have conflict arises in the church. It simply says, if you have a conflict with someone in the church, a brother, go and tell him. If he doesn't listen to you, take two others with you. If your brother still doesn't listen, take it to the church. And if your brother doesn't listen to the church, well, then they've had more than enough chances to repent and ask for forgiveness, and they know the consequences they face. Well, Peter follows up with that instruction from Jesus last week and asks the questions. How many times do we have to forgive? Now, Peter thought he was smart. I'm going to go with seven because the rabbis, they taught that you only have to forgive your brother for the same sin three times. I bet Peter thought, I'll go seven times and that way Jesus will agree. But Jesus doesn't agree, and he says not seven times, but 70 times seven. My math says 490 times. 490 times. Is there some special meaning about the 70 times? 70 times more than what Peter said? There's not. What Jesus is saying and responding not seven times, but 490 times is this, is that forgiveness has no limits. No limits. God does not stop at 490 times for us, does he? I don't know how many times I've said confession and done it. Right? I'm sure I'm over 490 times by this point. If you're like me, there's a sin that I've committed well more than 490 times. And every time I ask for forgiveness, I am forgiven. And if I commit that same sin today or tomorrow or this week, I will be forgiven of that sin when I repent. Jesus is our example as Christians, right? We strive as Christians to live each and every day on this earth more and more like Christ. We are forgiven, and we are to forgive, not pass judgment. But in this country, we can pass judgment really well, can't we? Name a well-known person, and almost everyone has something to say about that person. And most of us don't even know him. And if you do know him, well, that gives you the right to pass judgment on him. That's not what Jesus did. That is not what we are taught to do as Christians. We are to let the light of Christ shine through us. We are to forgive like Jesus did. We are to forgive like it has no limits. Okay, Jesus. Seems easy for you. You're the Son of God, right? You're God in the flesh. Does God really know how hard it is to forgive someone? I mean, someone that's sinned against you over and over and over again. Or someone that has hurt you, I mean, badly. God knows. God knows it's hard to forgive someone, especially someone who has sinned against you deeply or someone that's repeatedly sinned against you. Jesus went through hell and back to forgive each and every one of us. Why did Jesus go through hell and back for us? Because he loves us. It's hard to forgive someone else. But we're called, we're called to forgive others. Not seven times. Not 490 times. We forgive as many times as forgiveness is needed. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. When you pass from this life to the next, you're going to come face to face with Jesus Christ. And when you do, your knee will bow. You will confess Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. And there's going to be other people that are sitting here this morning, right? Each and every person that sits here this morning and Christians all over the world will do the same even the fellow church members that you had issues with, they're going to be in eternity also. As I was writing this, I was thinking back to the words that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. For I'm sure that neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else, nor church problems, nor church conflict, or other church members, will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Not even quarreling inside the church over opinions. God knows this church is not perfect. God knows it's easier for us to pass judgment than to forgive. God knows that living in harmony with those outside the church, respecting the government, and with our, living with our fellow church members is something we strive to do, but we don't always do it. As Christians, we know that we are not perfect, and that includes not having a perfect church. We know that we pass judgment. We know that we withhold forgiveness. We know that we don't always get along with people outside the church. We disrespect the government and we hold grudges against fellow church members. But what we do know is this that we are forgiven. We are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. We know that we are set free from our sins when Jesus went to hell and back for us. And we know when we pass from this life to the next, we know that our knee will bow to Jesus. And we will confess him as our king. Amen. Thank you once again for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we share in our messages, any questions on faith, any just general questions, get a hold of me. I'd love to have a conversation. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. God bless.